My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Shack House is presented by Callaway, who changed the golf ball when they created the first Chrome Soft. It was soft, fast, and long, which all golfers want in a ball. But then they found themselves in a strange place. What do you do after you make a ball that changed the ball? Make another game-changing ball. The new Chrome Soft has a dual soft-ass core that generates more spin on shots from 100 yards and in. So it's more precise, more accurate on scoring shots, plus it's easier to compress on long iron shots because it's soft. So if you don't want more ball speed, you don't want more distance off the tee, you don't want a ball that's easier to control around the greens, then don't play the new Chrome Soft. But if you like more distance, more control, then the new Chrome Soft is for you. Go to CallawayGolf.com to learn even more. New Chrome Soft, they change the ball. They made it even better. Let's go with Shack House. House, how you doing? Oh, A-OK. It is the last week of April. May is upon us. We've got this compressed schedule in the PGA Tour. I, you know, it, it felt like a month that we've been away from this podcast, even though it was barely a week because it was even 10 days, whatever. But uh, I am ready, raring to go. We have a couple of... Um, kind of lower tier tournaments coming up here. We have uh, New Orleans and then another quiet one the week after. But then things get going and I'm ready to jump all over it, Jeff Shackelford. Yeah, usually May's a little bit dull. Although even, you know, like last week's uh, event and, and the Quail Hollow event should have a good field coming up. And, and New Orleans gets good players because they basically pay appearance fees <laughs> um, with the sponsor, uh, forcing certain people there. So it actually has kind of gone from May used to be just kind of uh, dreary to even right now we've got some cool stuff and I, i'll tell you last week's valero texas open was not an event i had anticipated watching but i kind of knew i had to write a little column before and i, I remembered you know weird stuff happens at this place it's a kind of dreadful looking golf course on tv the tpc san antonio but you know it's one of those places house where cool stuff happens and so they had an amazing finish. Patrick Reed and Charlie Hoffman dueled. Billy Horschel was in the last group. Ricky Barnes was in contention. But it was actually really cool because 
Hoffman's kind of had trouble sealing the deal. And then there's Patrick, who's just been having a quietly good year. And, uh, hey, guess what, House? We got Patrick Reed on the phone. So uh, let's go uh, listen to what we had to talk about with Reed. Huh? I know he's one of your favorites. Yeah, he is. I had him. I had some, some money on him at the Masters. I'm oh. going to have some money on him at the U.S. Open. Welcome, Patrick Reed. Joining us now is Patrick Reed, four-time tour winner. He has over $12 million in career earnings. He's ranked 12th in the world, and he's joining us from Houston. Patrick, how are you? I'm doing well. You guys? We're great. We're really appreciative uh, that you're on here today. Right, House? Absolutely. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy Callaway schedule to get on here with the Shack House uh, crew today. All right, Patrick. So we're going to go right for the, uh, the jugular here. The Valero Open, awesome play down the stretch by you. Uh, both House and I watched, and we're just totally fascinated, like everybody else who watched, with the 18th hole. Uh, you hit a drive kind of down the left side, and you were sort of blocked out by trees, and you just pulled off, I think, one of the best shots we saw, we've seen in a long time on the tour. Uh, tell us first, was, it, was the wait as long as it seemed as it, it did to those of us watching on TV? Oh, it was probably even longer. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I didn't have any opportunity to actually watch it, but, uh, you know, I'm sure I would think they would have cut to commercial at some point because we were there forever waiting on the group in front, but... Uh, you know, with how they had that golf course set up on on Sunday, they allowed that if you hit a decent drive, you could go for it in two. And, uh, you know, I knew there was one of those situations, down by one going last, I needed to make at least four. And, uh, you know, so it was uh, go big or go home. And, uh, you know, I did all I could to put the pressure on uh, Charlie. And, then, uh, you know, unfortunately, it just wasn't quite enough. Was all that time to think about that shot, was that a good thing in that case? Because, uh, you know, when we were watching on TV, it just seemed like it was so much time to just think about, what could go wrong? Yeah, you know, uh, in in the in the position where you're one back going into the last, and you're having to wait, it's not as quite as one of the situations where uh, you you start thinking of the things that could go wrong. You more try to kind of think of making sure you're making the right decision because if you have a lead going in the last hole, then that's when you start thinking, oh, well, what are the bad scenarios that could happen? You know, in my situation, I was more just, all right, well, I have to pull this shot off so I can give myself the opportunity to make a three or a four to put the pressure onto Charlie. And, uh, you know, I hit that, that great shot there on 18. I felt like I made the chip and then the top of the revolution are too short. And, you know, he made a great putt to uh, have me on the hole and to clip me by one. So that's really interesting, Patrick. The one thing um, that you just said that, that I kind of wondered about watching it, you you – um, we're thinking that four um, was a necessary score. Did you think about laying up at all? No, I did not. Um, <laughs> I'm an aggressive player as it is, and I'm a normally a drawer of the golf ball. And with the wind down and off the right, I, I knew that from where I was, I had a chance to hit that three iron and, and rope it around the tree, and it, it should be enough. And uh, I knew at worst case scenario, it would have been just short, and I would have had a chance of chipping up and uh, – I had to give myself a situation where I had a chance of making three. I felt like if I laid back up to 80 or 90 yards, you know, I'd, I could hit it to five, four feet and, you know, roll in the putt. But where Charlie was sitting in the middle of fairway, just a clear shot to the hole with a hybrid in his hand, I was like, well, you have to go for it. There's there's really no option at this point to lay up. And, you know, I, I did basically all I could on 18, but, uh, you know, 16 and 17 seemed to be where uh, – where the tournament was lost for me. I'm missing the 
two pretty good looks for Birdie and the, him making two solid putts to keep his one-up lead. Yeah, and the other fun thing that you wouldn't have known because you didn't see the telecast, but but you took a long time on the chip on 18, and Charlie was in the back bunker kind of looking like he was going to have a tough up and down. And Faldo was kind of uh, shocked that you were taking so much time with that, that wedge shot. And then when you almost made it, he kind of went, oh, it was almost like I can't believe he's actually was he was really trying to make that. You know, you left it two inches short. It was an unbelievable shot. Um, but but you clearly were – that was your whole thought of was trying to hole out that wedge shot. Oh, for sure. Um, mm. I knew where Charlie was in that bunker. In previous years, the golf course has been a lot firmer. And with all that rain that came in, the greens are a little softer. So that back left bunker where he was, it, it was a bunker shot that you could easily hit it to five feet, four feet. And so I was sitting there thinking in my mind, well, he's going to make four. I have to hold this shot. Mm. And, you know, just one of those things I'd, you know, I knew I could get that thing on the ground rolling once it got up top. And, uh, you know, I was like, all right, well, read this correctly and, you know, hit that one good, that one perfect shot. And uh, it was close. All I needed was a revolution or two more because it, uh, it was dead center. I thought it was in. My brother-in-law thought it was in because where we were, it was kind of up and over that ridge. And, uh, you know, anytime you can have a kick in birdie, and at least put a little bit of pressure on him. And, you know, he made that clutch putt. Yeah. So we saw the quote afterwards. Um, and both loved it. Uh, I'm still first loser. You uh, have eight top ten so far this season, but the mindset for you is is W or, or, or nothing. Is that right? Exactly. Uh, you know, to me, when I'm out here playing, it, you know, it's not about finishing top ten, not about making the cut. It's about going to get Ws. And, uh, you know, I feel like I let one slip away there. Um, you know, yet I'd never had the lead in the tournament. I was always trailing or tied, so I actually never got the lead. And I felt like even with how I was playing on Friday through Sunday, because I didn't really feel like I hit the ball that great, and you know, I felt like I putted okay. And uh, you know, to come down Sunday, still have a chance going to the back nine and making that clutch putt on 15 to uh, get to one down, and you know, to not make one of those on 16 and 17 were uh, were hard to swallow. But at the same time. At the end of the day, it was it was a good finish, but not where uh, not where I wanted it to be. Now, Patrick, you yeah, the quote was pretty pretty uh, got a lot of people's attention. You're still the first loser and all that, and you you are talking about wins. But this is an Olympic year. You're 12th in the world. Are you? And of course, the, the format a lot of people don't understand it. But if there are four Americans within the top 15, they all make the Olympic team. So right now, you're you're the fifth American. Uh, as much as you're thinking about W's, do you still, you know, look at a week like that and go, well, I picked up some real ranking points for my possible bid to make the Olympic team? Yeah, I mean, after the fact, you think about that. But uh, really, you know, Dustin's playing so well, and he's played so well recently that, you know, I need W's, and I need to, you know, I need to get up there and, you know, win some golf tournaments and put some a little bit more pressure on them. But, uh you know, anytime you can represent your country, it's awesome. And I just need to uh, go out there and hopefully close one of these out and put a little bit more pressure on the guys. So you're right there now, um, positioned. If any of the four guys ahead of you slide out, you're in. Uh, you definitely want to play in the Olympics. Is that right? Oh, for sure. Anytime, like I said, anytime I can represent my country, whether it's a President's Cup, Ryder Cup, Olympics, you know, it, just that pride to be aware of the Stars and Stripes, you know, means a lot. And, if I have the opportunity, I'll be there. Are you surprised at the number of players that, that of late have 
decided they don't want to play in the Olympics, or is this something that kind of amongst tour players, everybody sort of expected a few people to to kind of drop out before the the, the you know the drug testing gets more intricate and and before everybody starts to get too close to the games and too committed and all that? Is this something you you thought would happen, or or is it, are you a little surprised? Yeah, it's kind of hard. To, it's kind of hard to say because uh, you know all those guys. I'm sure who have pulled out. You know, they pulled out for a good reason. Honestly, I don't know um, enough about the reasoning behind why they're missing. Whether they had prior obligations, or they had family reasons, or you know things like that. So, you know, it's hard for me to tell. And uh, that's the thing about golf is it's just kind of one of those things that with how many events we have throughout the year, people have different schedules and. Um, mm. You know, a lot of people are just, you know, going to look at events, whether any event it is on, whether it's for, you know, whether it fits their schedule, whether it's one of those things that they're going to try to fit in their schedule, et cetera. And, you know, I'm sure those guys have good, you know, good reasons because knowing the guys that have, they're, they're not guys that are just going to, you know, sit to sit. They would, you know, they love to play and love to compete. So speaking of schedule and trying to fit things in, you're still a, a, a pretty new dad. Your daughter is coming up on, I think, her second birthday. Uh, and and, and uh, you you trying to map out a schedule. Um, what surprised you the most about uh, being a dad? Yeah, I think, the, uh, I think the main thing is just trying to, you know, juggle schedule and juggle the time because, um, you know, when you're out on the road, you always want to spend time with your baby and your family and uh, – you know, the great thing is Justine and Windsor Wells, they travel with me to almost every single event. So it makes it a lot easier for me and a lot easier for us because she's always on the road with us. So I'm able to spend a lot of time with her and watch her grow up. And, uh, you know, it, it's awesome. And it was, you know, I never expected it to be this much fun. You know, I've always heard about, you know, once you become a parent, there's a lot of other responsibilities and everything that comes with it, which you know, has been awesome. And, you know, it's one of those things that is so much fun. And, you know, even though I had a really long day today, I mean, we were up till 1130 last night playing, you know, rolling around on the bed, rolling around on the ground, you know, just having a blast. And, uh, you know, those are moments you're never going to forget. And those are moments that uh, you cherish and are so much fun to be a part of. And, you know, I can't wait for later tonight to do the same thing. Does your wife miss catting? <laughs> yes, she does. She says it's actually really? her outside the ropes and inside <laughs> the ropes. And, um, you know, the good thing is she's always part of it, and she's always out there walking practice rounds with me and, uh, you know, helping me figure out a game plan for the golf course. So Kessler, myself, and Justine are all on the same page and know exactly what we're trying to do on the holes and stuff. So even though she's not technically caddying during the turnarounds, she's gone through everything with us Monday through Wednesday to uh, get us prepared and, you know, ready to go as if she was in the ropes for wow. tournament days. That's wild. I didn't know that. That's interesting. So – we have Oakmont coming up for the U.S. Open. Uh, you haven't played there, right? I have not. So a golf course like that, old golf course, a lot of local knowledge required, you know, crazy old greens. Um, pretty, There is some strategy. There's some semi-blind stuff. It's, it's a great golf course, but it definitely has like some local knowledge elements. So when you go, when you look at a place like that and you talk to them about the golf course, I mean, will you – Will you do anything like hire a local caddy or uh, talk to the, some of the pros uh, who work there? Is, there? is there anything special you'll do in, in preparing for that U.S. Open at Oakmont? You know, it, it just kind of all depends. Um, you know, I don't like to treat 
have been as if they're larger than others. Hmm. I like to treat a golf tournament as a golf tournament and go into it and prepare the same way as I do week in and week out because I feel like then I don't put any extra pressure on anything. Uh, you know, all it is is show up, you know, make sure you hit quality golf shots and make sure you make putts. And at the end of the day, whoever's hitting their lines and hitting, you know, hitting full control or golf ball, hitting it where they want to, uh, the golf course could be completely tricked out and everything, yet you're still going to be able to shoot a low number. And, uh, you know, so that's just something I've always wanted to do. Hmm. So a little bit different direction, uh, something near and dear to my heart. What's your favorite stop on tour food-wise? What city do you love? Nolens. Nolens? I love New Orleans food. Oh, coming up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In a yeah, matter of hours. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we're not, we're not playing there. Yeah, we're not playing there this, uh, this year. But, uh, you know, the oysters, the seafood, the, you know, French cuisine, uh, Chop House New Orleans Steakhouse, all those places are just so good. And, uh, you know, being the season where there's crawfish, I mean, it just, I mean, it's one of the best. And it's probably the only pro-am on tour that when you play in the pro-am, you actually feel 10 pounds heavier when you get done after <laughs> six-hour pro-am than you do any other pro-am you play. So why uh, why no New Orleans this year, just because of the, the crazy crowded schedule? Yeah, it, it just didn't quite fit the schedule because we always, we always like to play Wells Fargo and players – and that would have put us at five events in a row at players. And it just, you know, I'm trying to cut back a little bit, especially with last year. I was away from home 38, uh, 37 to 38 weeks. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I played between all the golf that we've played, it was around 35 or 36 events. And uh, I knew I needed to cut it down a little bit for this year, especially with how the end part of this season is with every other event being a major World Golf Championship. I felt like I needed to uh, kind of spread it out a little bit. Yeah, you, you, there's also Olympics and Ryder Cup in there. So, I mean, this is a season that's going to go all the way up you yeah. know, to damn near uh, Thanksgiving, it feels like. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's going to be a longer season, it seems like, for everybody than uh, prior. But at the same time, uh, if you're playing some good golf, it can be a lot of fun. <laughs> all right, Patrick. We, uh, we do a little thing called the speed round on this show. It's normally House and I, but we're going to make you uh, answer some, some short questions, hopefully easy ones, hopefully nothing too grueling here. Uh, the speed round is presented by our friends and your friends at Callaway, who remind you to quickly head on over to callawaygolf.com slash community and sign up for their Callaway community. House and I are signed up there, so check it out. Um, all sorts of cool stuff. Things from equipment junkies, ways you can uh, maybe get some prototypes, uh, all sorts of cool news, and, of course, learn about this podcast, maybe even ask a few questions. All right, Patrick, uh, first question. Favorite golf course on the PGA Tour? Pebble. All right, favorite non-golf sport? College football. That's an easy one. And that makes you an LSU fan? An LSU fan and a Notre Dame fan. Oh, I actually played Dame? golf at Pebble with Brian Kelly. I grew up watching them every Saturday, and uh, you know I just loved them. And you know I had the opportunity of playing my first year. I played well one of my years, first year in Pebble. I played with Jimmy Dunn hmm. and Brian Kelly. Jimmy Dunn was my partner, who I've played now for the past three years, and uh, you know it was so much fun playing there with Brian Kelly and Jimmy. We had such a blast, and uh, you know Coach and I keep in contact a little bit, and. You know, I hope hopefully can get up there and see a game, and then go over there and uh, watch LSU play some 
football as well. All right. Uh, you already told us your favorite dining city on the PGA Tour, but but let's go inside the clubhouse a little bit. Best player dining or family dining on the PGA Tour? Because, you know, a lot of people don't know there's some pretty cool free spreads in the clubhouses. Yeah, you're going to love this one. New Orleans. Oh, shocking. <laughs> yeah, Shocker! Um, yeah, just on the uh, just on the player dining, I mean, New Orleans has it's such a large spread. You know, it's not just that the food's so great, but they have such a variety that, I mean, you have so many options. And normally you have about two or three, maybe four options on, you know, on a normal player dining. But uh, in New Orleans, you have like eight to ten. And you kind of walk around, you're like, hmm, what do I want? I want a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Next mm-hmm. thing you know, you have almost two plates full, and you're like, well, I can't eat all this. Uh, let's see, what is the hole you most enjoy playing on the tour? I would say the 10th at Wyndham. Um, you know, it's where I had my first one with Justine on the bag. And, you know, I went from complete turmoil by when my tee shot went right. And then the lady who was standing over there, who was a volunteer, signaled out of bounds so quickly <laughs> that I thought I lost golf tournament. And then all of a sudden I hit a provisional and I walk over there and it was inbounds by you know, 10 yards. Oh. It wasn't even close. <laughs> and uh, now all of a sudden I had a bunch of joy, and then Jordan goes and hits it to 15 feet, and Justine and I were looking there, and there's this picture of her, me bending down, her bending down, and she's basically giving me a triangle, saying basically I had to hit at that point, and you know to thread the needle through the trees and hit up there to eight feet and make the putt to win, uh, by far not only the best, my favorite hole, but the most emotional hole I've ever played. Sweet. All right. That's pretty uh, tough to beat, but so I'm going to, of course, end it with a downer. Hole you least enjoy playing on the PGA Tour? Um, man, you stumped me out. I mean, how do, you, how do you feel about those finishing holes at, at TPC Sawgrass? They don't look f- 17 and 18, just, well, 18 especially. It just doesn't look fun to play. <laughs> it just looks hard. I mean, it's not fun, but it's a great golf hole. Yeah. Um, you know, 17 is, I think, more hype than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only a pitching wedge. Yeah. But, uh, so there's know, no hole that you like lie awake at night dreading the next day. No, kind not of thing. at all. Yeah. That's good. That's a good, well, that's why he's 12th in the world house. I know it. I think. Uh, all right. Well, that's good that you don't have one. You, you despise playing and that's, uh, the commissioner will be great. You won't get fined for saying anything negative on this show. So, uh, all in all, Patrick, it's been a uh, it's been a pleasure. We, uh, we know, especially it's been a long day. You've been doing some stuff with, uh, uh, some shooting and all that cool stuff, and you just had a great finish at the Valero. So, House, anything else you wanted to uh, cover with Patrick that, that I forgot about? No, uh, just just continued good luck. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in the U.S. Open. You've had a couple great Opens here, uh, back-to-back years, um, and, and I'm excited to see you at Oakmont. So, good luck uh, through the rest of the year. I appreciate it, guys. It was a lot of fun, and thanks for having me. All right, thanks, Patrick, for that. We really appreciate you joining us here on Shack House, which is presented by Callaway Golf, the number one iron in golf. Their irons have a face built to change the game, to push the industry further and performance farther. If you're not playing an iron, Callaway's industry-leading 360 face cup technology, then you're playing inferior technology. You're losing out on distance, and who wants that? And as if you need a bigger incentive to try these clubs, trade in your current irons and you'll get a 50% trade-in bonus toward the purchase of a new Callaway iron set with our 360 face cup technology. Simple as that. Head to CallawayGolf.com. Use the iron selector tool to find the perfect iron for you. House, I've heard you put them in the bag.
I put them in the bag. I can't wait to get out there and actually use them. They're just in the bag at the uh-huh. moment. But yeah. I love them. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, all right, House. So interesting week in golf, as usual, whenever Tiger decides to uh, come out of whatever hibernation he's in. And he's done some interesting stuff. Uh, my colleague Tim Rosefort reported a few times that he was doing some stuff, hitting some balls, maybe playing a few holes. And then Tiger showed up at the junior clinic at uh, Sage Valley, this kind of high-end place. It's like the Masters for junior golf, and it's Nike got him there. I mean, it, let's be honest. But still, cool that he showed up. Rory did it last year, and he put in two days. You know, he did a, a, a clinic. He stood on the first tee. He went to dinner at night, hung out with the kids, uh, got some heart rates up severely when he stood on the first tee watching him tee off. I'll, I'll, i got to tell you, though, House, the footage of the kids teeing off, Unbelievable! Like their tempo looked uh, absolutely astonishing with Tiger Woods uh, watching them. I just was so impressed. But um, so that was really great. He he looked a little stiff, a little rigid in the back. Um, and then he opens his course in Houston here on Monday. Uh, we're we're recording this on the 26th, so that was the 25th. And he played, and he said it was the first round of golf he's played since Wyndham last year, which contradicted Tim Rosefort's report. I don't necessarily think Tim had it wrong. You never know with Tiger. He has been known to bend the truth a little bit when he likes to. He loves to get revenge with uh, writers, and he loves to try to make them look bad and dump things on Friday nights and all that. It's just a weird leftover thing from his scandal that he needs to get over. But anyway, I don't think he's going to tee it up at Quail Hollow, but I also never rule anything out with him at this point because he has just shown up at the Masters <laughs> ready to go. Uh, did you take a look at some of those swings and some of those videos? Did, did you have a reaction? Yeah, I, I, I sure did. And I have to tell you, I, I forgot how much I enjoy watching Tiger play golf. And the uh, I was one of the, the people whose heart rates went up a little bit um, watching him take full swings. He was hitting some of those two irons, uh, stingers. He was, he hit driver a few times. And I understand exactly what you are saying, Jeff, about, um, the way he looked physically. He wasn't finishing high his, his you know, he wasn't in kind of a, yeah, a full torque, yeah, um, torque, reverse yeah. C position at the end yep. of any of those swings. But I, I don't care. I didn't care when I was watching it. I'm very, very, very excited. We're going to see Tiger Woods play golf this uh, this season. I don't know when um, you know it's going to be, and I honestly don't really care. I want more than anything for him to come back when he's fully healthy and not, you know, most unlikely to have any of the mishaps or missteps he's had before where he wasn't 100% physically. I want him to be 100% physically, and I want him to play in a bunch of events because golf is more fun when Tiger's playing it. Yeah, it is. And it just – I tell you, the thing that I liked the most was the tempo and the the body language, other than what you mentioned about the finish, was very good, was very relaxed. He looks very at ease with himself and in public and – and hitting shots in front of people and everybody knowing everybody's watching every little move. So I, I thought that was the most impressive part. I just, and I know he's Tiger Woods and I know that he doesn't think any other way, but it, it, I know it'd be like Kobe coming back in a rehab game in the D league and it's sort of beneath him, but you just wish he would sort of like ease into this whenever the comeback is in a fun way, just, I don't know, show up at a web.com event or, uh, 
you know, playing the uh, member guest at Medalist or the uh, whatever the event is that he just kind of do some quirky stuff like that and just kind of ease into it. But it's Tiger. I'm sure he's just going to show up somewhere big like the players or um, where, maybe Jack's tournament at Memorial where he's, you know, he tends to be a horse for a course. So he's going to go I somewhere like where he's comfortable. What you're doing. You you want him to flip the script a little bit. And yeah. I don't have any any problem with the idea. I, I subscribe to the point of view that you're espousing here. We want him to ease into it. But a- anywhere that he shows up with a golf club, it's going to be a big event. Yeah. It's going to be craziness. Yeah. I don't think I'm the only one that's uh, you know um, hankering for some for some Tiger, assuming he's healthy and ready to start playing again. So whatever moment he shows up at whatever golf course he's prepared to start playing competitively again, it's going to be a big event. It's going to be massive media and it's going to be massive crowds. So might as well go to a venue that can really handle that. A place like Quail Hollow, a place like the players. I mean, I, 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 I would say, you know, do it in a way that um, kind of fits what he's accustomed to in terms of um, the, the nature of the competition and a place that's familiar to him and let him work out some kinks. I mean, you know, the, the worst, he, he's not going to embarrass himself any more than what we saw in, in like Phoenix uh, last year with the, with the chipping yips, that, that kind of thing. We, we've, we've seen him at, at sort of golf bottom. I feel like so. You know, to me, he can sh- he he should show up some wherever he's most comfortable, and if it's one of those um, big big places, big courses, big uh, uh, events, that's fine with me. Yeah, well, and he is very comfortable at the places, all of them coming up. And I'll tell you, I again, I just keep thinking about that body language because he just he 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 needed to get away. He needed to clear his mind. And uh, some of us kind of wondered if this was this was that time, and if he did it. And I, 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 mean, I know some of it's wishful thinking, but I, I just that was the vibe I got was like uh, he just he just looked very at ease. He didn't look bored or he didn't look disengaged. Uh, he just looked like he was kind of relaxed and had let go of some stuff. And uh, hopefully that leads to. I don't know some cool appearances here and some decent play. It's just hard to imagine he'll he'll jump right in and be uh, amazing again. But if he can just go out and be respectable and have some great rounds, have two two great rounds in a tournament, kind of chip away at it, and by years in be be doing something special, I th- that would be amazing for for golf, obviously, and sure make a lot of it would sure would be a lot of fun to see what he kind of does in the mix with with kind of the group of people who are playing well now. So. Yeah, that that's the point to me. I want to see Tiger against this group of kids. I want to see the old dog with these uh, with these young pups, and see what um, you know what he has up his sleeve. Um, but it's going to require that um, restoration of form. You want him at his you know sort of Tiger. We're not we're not going to get get his best because he's forty years old now. But you know whatever he can he can muster at this stage of his career, which has still got to be quite a bit, right? I mean, you know he's not a uh, he, he he's not a senior citizen yet, um, and he looks physically, you know, uh, p- pretty good. You know he's 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 obviously been working out, and the tempo that you mentioned um, was pretty uh, confidence inducing. So you know, f- f- fingers crossed. But I'd love to see him on a golf course with with all these young dudes. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, before we move on, let me say a couple words about one of our sponsors, Me Undies. Whether you're wearing a suit or sweats, you spend, I spend, almost 24 hours a day in our underwear. 
instead of making a statement like Superman's tights under his everyday clothes, underwear, your underwear, my underwear is probably boring. Me Undies is here to change that. I have been sampling extensively the Me Undies trunk collection and the briefs collection. I will tell you, I've tried both on the golf course. Slight favorite, uh, slight uh, edge to the briefs, a little more movement, but the trunks hold everything nice and tight. <laughs> Me Undies. Shipping is free in the U.S. and Canada. You can save up to $8 a pair with the Me Undies subscription plan. Get the subscription or a single pair and get 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com backslash house. That's MeUndies.com backslash house, H-O-U-S-E, for 20% off your first order. MeUndies.com backslash house. Get in on some Me Undies. I think I'm going to have to get a few of those for my trip to Rio. I may be the only person going to Rio, it seems. Uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention. I'm sure you have. It's kind of hard to miss. Nobody seems to want to go to the Rio games. Uh, and that's not entirely true yet. But, House, I got some, I got some fresh intel about these uh, dropouts oh, I in, wanna, the, in the yeah, Olympic I want to hear it. What's going on? All right, so Adam Scott is out. Now, he had been telegraphing that a while, so not a big shock. He got ripped, though, in Australia. They were, they were rough on the guy. Louis Oosthuizen, Charles Schwartzel, South Africans, uh, both out. Captain Gary Player, who will be there in Rio, is not pleased, as you can imagine. Uh, and the way oh. things are going, uh, Gary Player, may, they may go so far down the world ranking list that he might actually play in the Rio games if they he keep this up. He might be the South African representative, yeah. So I threw out a little, a little something on my blog today where I noted, because I've been getting hammered on Twitter with this point, that people are... The conspiracy theories are already up. Hey, all these guys, you notice they're dropping out right before the drug testing kicks in that gets a little more rigorous. The blood testing, the, all the looks for the HGH, all that stuff that's not a whole lot of fun to do, much more than the current PGA Tour drug testing, which is just kind of mildly awkward after you finish a round of golf. So I threw that out on the website, and I got a little note from somebody who's very uh, unbelievably credible who didn't like the jab I took at a couple of the guys in, in suggesting that, and I wasn't suggesting they were drug cheats. I just mentioned that that element of the drug testing is about to kick in, and some guys may just not want to have anything to do with it. And this person said, well, guess what? Those guys want to have families, and they're worried about the Zika virus. And I said, well, why didn't they just say that? And apparently they've been told, absolutely do not mention the Zika virus. That is uh, not a kosher thing to bring up. Just say you're not playing and move along. And so this is kind of a brewing thing that there are players who are concerned that they would contract the virus. And then obviously if they want to have families down the road, they could be, uh, there could be some birth defect-related uh, issues that, that would come with that in their minds. And so they are choosing not to go to Rio. Your That's deepest so thoughts. weird. Yeah, it's I, interesting. The, the, nothing about it is weird. The decision isn't weird. I understand the, the thought process. I understand their, their assessment of the risk. Those are all young guys who, who may be thinking about, you know, um, enlarging their families. What's weird is who's telling them not to give the reason for, for not going? Like what? What? What is it? A secret that that uh, Brazil has a, a you know <laughs> is the is, is ground zero for the Zika virus? 
I'm going to guess it's some combination of the IOC, the International Golf Federation, uh, the uh, Rio Organizing Committee. It could be any number of people who are kind of all behind the scenes getting nervous about this. You know, VJ threw that out uh, in his litany of excuses, but of course he also mentioned his desire to pick up some FedEx Cup points this fall, so who knows what he was yammering on about his his not playing is just just obnoxious on so many levels because he had actually said i want to carry the flag for fiji into the the stadium and now he's talking picking up fedex cup points in the at the at the windham and the deer you know like give me a break but um these guys i i guess i understand the thinking and i understand the, the desire to not share that information or not have it blow up into a big issue but obviously people look at the golf course and it has water on it and they think, well, they're all going to get bit by mosquitoes and then take back this virus. That seems to be the thought process. Um, seems a little extreme to me, but I, I don't know enough about Zika virus to, to say otherwise. So it's, I think it's just going to be kind of a looming story. I, I really hope it doesn't become uh, something that just overtakes the games, and especially the golf, because the course is so cool, and I think it's a great opportunity for the game. Yeah, I, I it looks like uh, we're going to get enough of the top guys. Um, it's it's a field of sixty, right? It's a, it's a field of sixty off the world ranking. In the top fifteen, you can have up to four people from your country. Otherwise, it's a limit of two. So that's why our guest today, Patrick Reed, he's the fifth American at the moment. So if I you know any of those people before him decided not to play he would move up as the next uh, American or the way he's playing yeah, or, and and he is playing awfully yeah. well he's 12th in the world that's not too far off from making it on world ranking points well I'm with you I'm I'm hoping for the best possible field um I'm I'm disappointed in the names that are dropping out but uh that's just from a purely selfish you know want to see the best competition yeah. kind of thing I don't begrudge those guys not playing in it, and especially if, if that's the reason. I don't have any issue with it at all. I, I, I guess from the perspective of the players and their agents and their reps and the various governing bodies, they don't have to say anything about their, their reason for not going. So not mentioning Zika is not that big a deal. Um, but it, it does provide uh, an immediate kind of uh, context for, for why what was otherwise kind of a curious group of, of dudes uh, pulling out. It, it, it is a coincidence that the drug testing timing is kind of looming. And, you, you know, those, those, those three guys, I wouldn't think that he, any of them um, would have any particular concern with the drug testing. But the Zika makes perfect sense. So... Um, yeah, no, they I just don't want to go that's... through the they don't want to go through the blood testing and all that when they know they're not going. So that's why they're saying uh, sayonara. No, I don't think they have to worry about that from that from the other point of view. I don't think uh, that Louis and Charles are are uh, are injecting themselves with steroids. I think that's pretty clear when you look at them. <laughs> they're uh, the, yeah, that's, yeah, they have they golf don't bodies. give that appearance. No, no. All right, house. Last topic uh, before we wrap it up here. I took a little heat this week. And uh, you, I think you got you got thrown in on some of the the Twitter uh, mentions, and uh, yeah, I, think, I loved it. Yeah, I bet you did. You, you know, you, you never had my back, uh, but I, I, I just kept waiting for the reply. Like, no, no, no. So, just in, in a nutshell, I uh, last week our uh, our dream millennials, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, Smiley Kaufman, and uh, Justin Thomas went to the Bahamas, uh, Baker's Bay. 
a very high-end, very exclusive resort. And uh, the first day they Snapchatted some videos of them out uh, shirtless, playing golf, having fun. It was great. It was really nice to see. And then it just continued for four days. And I wrote a post on my website Monday that uh, that was a little too much. And frankly, some of the dancing drunk on top of golf carts and jumping off second floor buildings into bodies of water was not the greatest uh, message that I thought to the young people who absolutely worship these guys. And if you go to a golf tournament, and I, and I, you know I don't like playing the uh, it's for the children card, but when you go to golf tournaments, you know how impressionable these kids are and how much they worship these young guys. And so I just thought it was, I thought it was overkill. And I, knew, I think there was a promotional component. Uh, Ricky has a relationship with Casamigos Tequila, one of the which is a wonderful tequila, by the way, and Baker's Bay and Mike Melman, a fine developer of Discovery Land projects, amazing places that he creates. And Ricky has a relationship with him, and uh, they they you know do some stuff together, outings or whatever. And so I'm sure Ricky threw up some Snapchats, and, and it was great publicity. And maybe the uh, the bill was a little bit reduced. Whatever, who knows? Who cares? Good for them for doing it. But I just thought it was overkill. I thought it got a little out of hand, so I wrote a commentary that it really shouldn't be lauded the way it was. And oh boy, did I did I hear it from from the M's generation millennial was uh, not pleased. I got about forty or fifty Clint Eastwood get off my lawns, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm fine with it. I I still feel fine. I still feel like it was uh, it was overkill. Um, so you were were roped in a few times by people and you didn't bite so you, you've been very quiet I have no idea where you you stand on spring break 2016 and how it's the uh, gonna grow the game to no end according to many people your take so uh let me just put it put it out there you I always have your back my dude I'm, I'm, I'm always on your side even when we disagree this is gonna be one of those times when I disagree I I have to tell you I I, I I think you need to lighten up a little. I mean, the thing to me that is most appealing about it and also most foreign, and I'm going to I'll just talk about myself because you you are media savvy. You are techno technologically savvy. I'm still kind of trying to catch up with uh, with Twitter. I mean, you know, I, I, I barely have a Facebook presence, for, for goodness sakes. Uh, and Snapchat is, is completely uh, a foreign language. But um, the thing with the, the with the kids these days is <laughs> the whole thing made them relatable, and that's kind of the, the the vibe these days. The reason I think that Steph Curry enjoys the 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 current standing he has in the NBA, he's the most popular player in the NBA, um, kind of to the chagrin of LeBron James. By mm. the way, I don't think LeBron likes this very much, but there's no <laughs> question that Steph is. The most popular player, the shoe sales, the jerseys, the crowds that come out to watch him play, uh, uh, you know, do his warm up, his shoot around in advance of games. It has been a phenomenon this whole season. And part of that appeal is the dude is relatable. He's six foot three, six foot four with high heel shoes on. And he, if you bumped into him on the street, uh, without sort of knowing who he was, that you wouldn't say, oh, that's the number one basketball player on the planet. So for this group, for, for Spieth and Fowler and Smiley and Justin, those are, those are young guys doing what young guys do, and they just happen to have the benefit in this day and age of sharing it with us in kind of real time, which is something that I can easily kind of imagine myself doing 
um, and using very poor judgment, I'm sure, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, uh, and I'm very glad that none of this technology existed because, Lord have mercy, what might have been captured on the cameras back then. But I, I um, think those dudes were speaking a language um, to their peer group and then kind of, you know, beyond that made sense for them that, that, um, and made sense kind of to, to that group. And I don't, I don't think that I didn't find any of it, um, crossing the line. I understand your point on, on kind of the quantity. It didn't need to be four days. We got it guys. You're, you're not wearing shirts and you're playing golf barefoot and it's an awesome time. And for sure you've been drunk every night because every one of the morning, um, uh, picks and, 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 uh, slow vids you know they they all were heavy lidded or wearing hats and glasses yeah but i that that's my view on it 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 was it it was an uh an exercise in um letting us kind of get some insight into how they blow off some steam and it was it was to me like very relatable i can uh, you know um think about my own self at that age and think about um you know 20 some things uh, that fit their their demo uh, blowing off steam the exact same way. Okay. Well, I, I think at some point we should have a, a longer chat about this because I, I also tried to weave in, and we didn't even touch on it, Wright Thompson's piece on Tiger. And I think it, it just struck me, one, because there was a lot of there's, – there's always this sort of revisionist tone that – these it, and it's the recency bias that you've talked to, with Bill about on your shows many times. You know, look how great these guys are. Look what jerks those people were just right there. And when you read Wright's piece, and you realize the depth that he went into to try to explain to people why Tiger went wrong, I also wasn't comfortable with that because I guess I just feel like I I love the game. I love watching golf. I love knowing enough about these people to relate to them. I just am, I'm never comfortable with this need to know so much in the case of some people or to know so much about why they went wrong so that, that people watching can feel better about how they attach themselves to somebody who turned out to be kind of living this weird uh, dual life. And so I just I'm always wary that there's a line that gets crossed with privacy and needing to know so much about people and and it gets us away from why we I, mean, I would hope ultimately we love watching these people play golf because the sport is interesting and great and fascinating and then the personalities accent that as opposed to the personalities and what we know about them and how relatable or not they are driving why we watch golf and so i it, i would love to discuss it more with uh, i don't know we'll have to think of somebody who you know, maybe Wright Thompson or somebody who's uh, delved into these things who's probably smarter than you and I combined that could could weigh in on this. and Because it's kind of a big picture topic, I feel. Uh, I think it's more than just Snapchat and millennials and all that. But Yeah, and the, the part, to be fair to you, um, part of the way I read your piece and when I watched your um, your chat with Kara on, on Golf Channel Monday morning, part of what you seemed to be objecting to was, was the, the media – Kind of fawning on oh, these yeah. guys. Oh, look what what great what 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 a great um, set of of four young bros just out you know doing their thing. Uh, and and I thought that was part of your objection. Is that right? It's it's the objection. My my objection is to then taking it to the next level and going. 
And aren't they better than everybody else? And are we lucky to now have people who are actually real humans? Because nobody else in the in the 400 years before these people who've played golf were were interesting, funny, lived it up, uh, all these different things. That that's what I, I I really resent it. I mean, I really find it obnoxious in a way the recency bias that ignores that there were so many interesting people in the game going uh, really, you know, through every generation there were characters and and Walter Hagen did things that were so much crazier than these guys ever dreamed of that that uh, if they just did a little reading they they would appreciate that and so yeah that is that is what probably bothers I don't care about the fan reaction that people get a thrill from that and it makes them like these guys more it's more of that there are people who should know better and who are not so we will leave it at that because we could go on all day, and I do think it's fun stuff, and we'll, we'll, I think we'll try to find a, a cool way to approach it. Uh, I do want to uh, mention a few more things, House, before we go. Uh, just to Please rem- do. Yeah, remind people that if they listen to podcasts, of course, the Channel 33 network is phenomenal. Bill has just been cranking out some amazing podcasts on the Bill Simmons podcast uh, network lately. Just uh, listen to one on the way over here, and another awesome conversation. He is really getting some amazing guests. But uh, – you know, people who love podcasts also love streaming video content house. And I don't know if people know this, but if you've got Roku, and I do, you can install the Callaway Golf Channel now to check out great instructional content, all free, stuff like 30 Seconds to Better, quick, useful golf tips from pros to improve your game. And, of course, all of the Callaway Live episodes are there. You can go back and, and see the ones with guests like uh, the Ford CEO, Alan Nalali, who I'm not usually a CEO interview watcher, but he is somebody who I think is just one of the most fascinating minds in business, and it's a great chat with Harry Arnett. Uh, music mogul Irving Azoff is a, a, another great show. There's also a great little... Uh, hilarious controversy that was set off in that show where uh, somebody barked out One Direction and it led to a whole thing that people thought uh, Irving was uh, now repping uh, One Direction. Cool stuff. And even myself, I'm on one of those shows. And uh, Jimmy Dunn is also uh, on Callaway Live, who Patrick Reed referenced earlier in this show. So, And uh, that is a very, very emotional episode. It's not the usual uh, lighthearted, fun stuff that you get on Callaway Live, but well worth the watch. So it's uh, the best of Callaway on your TV. Callaway's Apple TV app is also coming soon, which is very exciting news. So uh, I recommend uh, everybody check that out. Check out Callaway Community. And of course, House and I are on Twitter. House from DC, right? Yeah. And I'm uh, and and you can include him on tweets when you bash me about millennials, and he will not reply. So you'll be very safe. <laughs> uh, I'm at jeffshackelford.com. Housefromdc.com. Has it been updated with any Masters food stuff? Maybe we could think about that. House. No, I, no, I, I I'm, okay. I'm woefully behind. All right. Remember to check out After the Thrones, hosted by Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald. It's available after every episode of Game of Thrones on HBO Now, HBO Go, and even HBO Proper. Winter is here, and Chris and Andy are ready to break it down. Also, check out the Channel 33 podcast this week. We have Robert Mays with a draft preview and round one reactions. That's the end of our show, everybody. Again, thanks, everybody, at uh, Callaway, Channel 33, The Ringer, all that great stuff. Make sure you sign up for The Ringer newsletter. Thanks, and we'll talk to you soon. Check out! This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, 
a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.